got to keep the theme song under 30 seconds or your listeners get mad. Wah wonders why. Wah wonders why. Welcome to Wah Wonders Why, a companion podcast to Smart Enough to Know Better. One of our listeners, Alan B., contacted me and asked, what would the world be like if Colin, our moon, didn't exist? So I have gathered some amazing experts from a vast range of disciplines to answer the question of no moon. Enjoy. No moon astronomy. And to join us to answer this question is PhD candidate Kate Hardborn. Kate Harborn from the International Centre for Radio Astronomy Research. That's me. Kate Harborn. That's the one. <laughs> so, good. I, start, I was going to cut it out, but, but you've not let me do that. So no, I have not. We're going straight into it with a, with a mistake. Excellent. Brilliant. So, Kate, the moon. What is the moon? Is it even real? Is it just fake? Is it just a big thing painted on the sky? It's just cheese, right? It's just that's cheese. That's up there. Right. Podcast over. It's just cheese. That's the official <laughs> astronomer's answer. From, from the radio astronomers over in uh, Australia. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Decided. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. No, we think it's a big rock. It's, it's what the, um, the guys who've been there have told us. Yep, yep. So, yeah. And they've definitely been there. Please don't send any angry emails to us. <laughs> exactly. Well, you can see in all the these pockmark craters that things are coming towards the Earth and um, heading into the moon a lot. So we mm. think that it was something even bigger crashed into the Earth millions and millions of years ago, but mm. crashed into the Earth and got ricocheted off. was small enough that it was caught by Earth's gravitational Field, yep. it's orbit and pulled into orbit around the debris Earth. and that sort of stuff, sort and of broken debris. bits. Yeah, yeah. okay. So yeah. it's kind of like the the shrapnel left over after a big impact. A big, a big impact, that, exactly. That couldn't leave. Okay, okay, exactly. that makes sense. We got something. We think it makes sense anyway. Yeah, we got something now, sort of in the sky, but it's really big compared to the Earth. Compared to other moons in the solar system, it's big, isn't it? It's it's well. Poor Pluto, not not a not a planet anymore. We but don't that even mention Pluto. Don't even mention Pluto. But Pluto's it's actually rubbish. bigger than Pluto. If you put Pluto at the same distance away from the Earth, yes. Pluto would still appear quite a third of the size. Oh a my lot, goodness, a lot smaller. Than, so yeah, than well, the there you go. No wonder Pluto got demoted. Poor Pluto. <laughs> no, not poor Pluto. Don't. It knows what it did. <laughs> just too small. And it just it, oh, it, it, it gave itself airs of planethood, and now we get rid of it. So yeah. the moon. If the moon was out there, we wouldn't consider the moon a planet. If it was out where Pluto was. So it wouldn't be... It's, it has to be big of a mat. It has yeah. to clear its orbit and all the rest. Okay, yes, right. it has to clear an orbit. Clear, that's, that's, the, yeah, that's, yeah, a, that, that's a different story of, for a yep, different yep, time. Yep. <laughs> so the moon, what does it actually do for us? A whole multitude of things, Greg. You sound like you don't believe it. Well, I just I think, it, I think it's rubbish. I think it should lift its game. Are you a surfer, Greg? Am I a surfer? No, no. no I can't even stand up on a board on, no, on the ground. That's, that's fair. Nor can I. But I'm from the UK, so I feel like I have an excuse. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, burn. It's too cold to get into the ocean now. Burn on the Australian. <laughs> I see. No, but if, if, the, um, if the moon disappeared, we wouldn't... Those tides, the, the way that the, um, the ocean is rising and falling and yeah. all the churning that we see in the ocean, all of the, the currents that are caused mm. in the ocean, all of these things have ties to the moon. Because as much as it's a lot smaller than the Earth, mm. it's orbiting us because of our gravitational pull. It mm. has a small gravitational pull on us. Mm. And that we see that in the shape of the ocean. So it sort of like bulges as the moon is... The direction that the moon is, you get this bulge out yep. where the ocean is pulled towards the moon, and on the other side, you get the opposite effect. So you sort of get this like a little 
mm. um, like an eye shape. What's that? What's that shape called? Uh, that, uh, and lips. Lips. Yeah, lips. yeah. It's a I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, that, and that's our tide, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's so, our tide. So we get our tide. So the moon basically, and that amazes me. You realise that when the water rises like one point eight meters, and it's rising. Well, it's not rising. We're we're rotating into, into the bulge. Mm, yeah, but, exactly. But, but that's one. The water is being lifted off the surface of the planet. Roughly by one, one nearly two meters in places. Yep, and the the size of the moon in comparison to the Earth, it's the volume is two percent the volume of the Earth. Oh, really? So it's got quite like a big impact given given its size in comparison. So it, it's quite impressive. Was it always that far away? I mean, how far away is it to, give, to begin with? Close to four hundred thousand kilometers. Four hundred thousand. Now, for our but American that, listeners, just oh, so sorry, in, yes. for our American listeners, because they use imperial measurements. 197,938,144 Jeff Goldblums in height. <laughs> so, and whenever we talk in numbers this big, like your in brain, Goldblums, in yeah. Goldblums, in Goldblums, exactly, that's right. Yes. Your, your brain can't actually like comp- these are numbers that are far too large for our brain to understand. So it's it's in a smaller number, thirty. Yes. Thirty Earths 30 could Earth. fit between us and that's the Moon. So far away. Quite far it's away. So far away. Quite that's why it took away. like three days for the astronauts to get there. <laughs> to get the, there. The Apollo mission to get up exactly. there. Exactly. It's a three-day exactly. trip. And <laughs> another one, another fact about that distance is it is you could fit all the other planets, even when Pluto was a planet, you could fit it in between us. It was never and a planet. The moon. It was I never won't a accept planet. it. But if, if you know, you'd still have a couple of Plutos left over. You don't, you don't mean the distance of the solar system, do you? you? You mean just the just the diameter of all of those right. planets? Yes, that'd be very yeah, bad, not the di- not the not the distance between them all in the solar system. That yes. would be a, that would be a bit silly. So if we had like Mercury pushed up against the Earth, that uh, would be bad for us, wouldn't it? Oh, At, yeah. the, the official astronomers, <laughs> as the official astronomers, yes. That <laughs> Would not be That'd that be would bad. not be a good idea, especially if you put all of those planets in between. Yeah, yeah. Pl- yeah. Jupiter would have have us for lunch. Uh, so you, so all the planets—that's mind-boggling. So it's it's a fair distance. So every time you see those pictures of of the moon in orbit around the Earth, that, these are very out of scale. Yeah, you would have to have a, a picture very very far away indeed. What else does the moon do for us? Oh well, it looks beautiful. It looks beautiful. That's, that's good. I mean, that's, that's in my in well, it looks beautiful. I think actually the common astronomer answer is actually it's. A bloody nuisance because it gets in the way. The light from the moon. If you if you did take away the moon, yes, your pictures of the stars would be oh, they'd be beautiful. Because the star, the when the moon is full, you lose so much visibility of the sky. And astronomers like the thing we're working with is light, so we need as much light from from the stars that we're wanting to see. Yep. Um, and when the moon's in the way, it, it sort of creates this. As you know, when you go outside, if you if you if you stood next to a light and then mm. you turn that light off, you can't see anything for a long while because mm. your eyes take time to adjust, and it's it's the same problem. So right, okay. the moon the moon, moon is a bit annoying in that respect, but otherwise it's quite beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well let's go let's go, let's go on that idea then. So the moon's a pain in the bum. That's what we're really trying to say here. We, we don't like the moon now. The official astronomer stance is that the moon rubbish. We don't want it. Yeah. So let's go to a perfect world where there was no moon. That impact Ever. didn't happen. Uh, the impact didn't crash into it. There was no, there was no debris. It didn't form the moon. No moon. So what astronomically would happen to Earth? Well, the moon actually has, as we said, that, that tug mm-hmm. that it was pulling. If that had disappeared, our days would be a different length. Because the moon Why? is effectively... <laughs> it's, well, it's pulling on us, right? So yep. it's slowing our, 
hours spin. Oh, really? And our days are becoming longer because of the presence I of that move. Thought very so. slowly. So if you took it away, our days would actually be quite a lot faster. I always get that feeling, you know, like <laughs> Mondays and Tuesdays, I get the feeling that the oh, the days are so long. Well, That's the moon, is it? It's the moon. Oh, bloody See, even moon. more reason. Let, Get rid of them. Get rid of the moon. Okay, so we're 24 hours roughly. Uh, that's what we call that's what we call that time. And uh, so, how well, do you know how long it would have been without a moon? So I read. I read a fact. Okay. I'm sure I could. If you gave me a pen and paper, I could probably work it out. But it might take me longer. Okay. <laughs> than well, this podcast. Ballpark it. Ballpark well, I think it's something like six hours. I read. I think it slows down. Oh my goodness. By six hours. So our day. So we. Oh, or. Sp- the difference is would be six hours. So we'd be sitting about eighteen hours a day. day uh, no, I wait, is it no? It's faster, faster days. Yeah, faster, faster days. days yeah, yeah. yeah, so, so an eighteen-hour eighteen hour day. Oh, okay, well, I that's, think let's get less done. Let's not quote me on that. Oh man, I have no sleep. So it's, it's, yeah, so so it'd definitely be faster. So you'd have like eight hours of work, uh, eight hours of of sleep, and then you'd have two hours to get your shopping done and your but, washing. Yeah. That would suck. Yeah. And also, no, I, my, my commute would take two hours. Oh, no. Well, what if we just made the working day shorter? I mean, that but would be That's nice. not how capitalism works. <laughs> it's not, is it? Is your boss going to let you do that? You go, I'm sorry, I can't come in. I've, I've got a, you know, a, a, no, 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 no. Work from home today. No, yes, less sleep, yes. <laughs> so so the, the days would be longer. Sorry, shorter. Shorts. Days would be shorter. Oh, sorry. The days would be shorter. We'd have no tides. Anything else astronomical would happen? Um, astronomical, well, in terms of the Earth... Hmm. In terms of the Earth, sorry, the tides aren't the only thing that's affected by by the um, pull of this, oh, yeah, this okay. big object. Um, things like, because of course the surface of the Earth actually isn't fixed. It's it's floating on this um, molten magma right. where the plates of the Earth can move as well. Yes. So there's mm. quite a lot of thought that actually if you got rid of that force, these um, sheets might be moving in a way that would be different and may cause oh. things like volcanoes, oh, okay. earthquakes. Right. Like, I don't know whether that would be if it never existed at all or yeah. whether if it disappeared, like, overnight, yeah. then it would definitely cause problems with plate tectonics. I see. Would, so. it be, would it be extrapolating from that then? So you're saying if it vanished now, it would be it would, the, the ground would subside a lot and things would move and you get things a lot would of... Move. suddenly it, The surface of the Earth would move. Which is amazing, it's not just the water that's moving because of the moon, it's the ground itself. Is that right? Well, as far as I understand, yeah. That's amazing. Okay. That's really, really crazy. But if there was no moon, then can we extrapolate out and say that maybe the the crust would cool because there wouldn't be anything squeezing at it. So maybe it'd be cooler. Yeah. Maybe there'd be maybe there'd be thicker crusts and we'd have locked in tectonics yeah. at this point. Maybe. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the moon is actually we we're a very dynamic duo, the Earth and the Moon. And could it be could it be ex- uh, said that due to the partnership of the Earth and the Moon that it keeps them both young and fresh and, and oh, renewed yeah. and exciting. Yeah. They it's have like, a wonderful relationship. That's, really. Aww, you know? that's lovely. Yeah. They like each other. <laughs> that's, that's really nice. I don't like that. I just, so we started with hating on the moon at the and end. And now we're loving it. And then at the end, yeah. we're loving on it. There, I, oh, that's good. Astronomy. It's a good story. Astronomy, it's a good, that's right. So next time you go out and look up, the, remember what Kate Harborn says, and that is that we all should love the moon. I agree. Thank you, Kate. Thank you very much, Greg. No Moon Psychology. And to join us with the No Moon Psychology, we have Assistant Professor 
Cassandra Perryman. She's an assistant professor of psychology and sociology and has been on the show before. It's been a while. What happens with psychology and the moon and what had happened if there was actually no moon? And you have an interesting take on this, I do believe. I do. I do. My formal training is in psychology. And way back when, I was a mental health worker, also a licensed drug and alcohol rehab worker. And back in the days, my less skeptical me, um, we always hear nurses and doctors and police officers and other rehabilitation workers and mental health workers, whenever there was any sort of spike in intakes, ask if there was a full moon. Mm. And of course, that was a very odd statement to me. I was raised in a not-so-superstitious family, and so to have somebody say that behavior could be attributed to the moon was bizarre. Right. But it got me thinking. I, I heard... Is behavior linked to the moon? That's... Well, yes. And, I mean, I and just as a... From a layperson's side of things, I've heard it from police officers have said that. Oh, it's full moon tonight. It's going to be a bad night. I've heard it from uh, ambulance drivers and paramedics saying, oh, it's a full moon. It's just going to be bloody tonight. I've even heard it from doctors, medical doctors, who said, oh, the, the emergency ward is going to be packed tonight. And nurses. So this is something that I don't know if it's real or not, but I've heard that some uh, many people believe that the moon has some effect on, on behavior and drives people to do Terrible, terrible things. Well, and it's funny because there are no studies to back that. It just looks to be a phenomenal case of confirmation bias. <laughs> so really, there's no... <laughs> well, there's nothing to it at all then. No, not really. It's just we tend to remember the times that they relate because full moons are beautiful and they're brilliant. And, you know, of course, now you... you have this thing in popular culture and you're going to go out and look we had crazy intakes tonight is it a full moon oh look yes it is you don't remember that two weeks later you had just as crazy a night but you know there are other things that do actually directly equate to spikes and bloody nights you know like well me being back in california in the land of the crazy i mean the free um <laughs> well hang on so your return your return to california increased violence in california absolutely <laughs> i i have become more violent by returning to california <laughs> on a full moon um <laughs> but it, it's intriguing because things like fourth of july we have this amazing rise in firecracker injuries. Mm. And anecdotally, back in the day, I remember we'd also have this amazing rise in methamphetamine use. <laughs> and if 4th of July and full moon landed on the same day, it was amazing how much confirmation bias you would get. It wouldn't be, oh, look, it's the 4th of July. People so, do really crazy things. It'd be no, 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 full moon. Oh, <laughs> right. So, so people. So, Fourth of July is the is your Independence Day. That's the, and I only know that from the movie Independence Day. Being a terrible Australian that I am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I four. It's fantastic. It's, it's, yeah, so they that's blew when, up that's, the opera house. That's right. That's, yeah, that's, they, they, that's, that's right. We lost the opera house in that day, and then Bill Pullman <laughs> led the world's forces against aliens. I remember it well. People go a bit crazy and, and do crazy things, but they'll attribute it to the moon instead. Yes, they'll attribute it to the moon, not to the alcohol, not to the meth, not <laughs> to the firecrackers. We put explosives in the hands of drunk people, and somehow it was the moon. <laughs> do you, do you what, see, do you what see the same increase with um, the Super Bowl? You know, funny enough, 
Super Bowl, that's that's a whole different discussion. We get into where I teach sociology there. That's that's a bizarre kind of moment. I think the Super Bowl is actually more important to people than the 4th of July. <laughs> so craziness on Super Bowl is actually attributed to Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Right. So it's, it's, it's okay to malign Super Bowl, but you can't malign your Independence Day. So you have to malign the moon instead. Exactly. Oh. We're maligning the moon. So does the moon you know, have and then any effect that- on people? No. No, not at all. No. <laughs> I feel this is a very this, is, this has become a very short interview then, hasn't it? <laughs> but that's where it gets more interesting because no, the moon doesn't have any psychological physical effect on us, but people still attribute traits to it, attribute emotion to it, attribute connection to it, and there are individuals who Honest to goodness, believe they are lycanthropes. Honest to goodness, believe a full moon is romantic. I know, I just passed over a lycanthrope there, didn't I? You, just, um, you, can't, you can't just drop lycanthrope. I mean, we know werewolves. We talk about werewolves a lot on, on uh, Smart Enough to Know Better. But uh, so the people who honestly believe that they're, yeah. they're werewolves. Yes, there are people who believe they are werewolves. My goodness, that's, that's spectacular and yeah. also scary and sad. It is, it is, you know, it, it does lead you to a long spate of mental health treatment, um, which is always quite spectacular. You know, I don't think we quite have a diagnosis for lycanthrope. Sometimes we just call it schizophrenia. Mm, oh, I see. Uh, yes, um, that's, a, that's a good point. I think I always wondered about that, of what the people we consider monsters from legend maybe were just mentally ill people, people with medical conditions that we didn't understand back then. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, and it's funny how when you, when you get into certain types of mental illness or, and I shouldn't just say it's all mental illness. We do attach emotion to the moon. We named things moonstones. Mm. There's people who call it the goddess. Mm. Why? Why? It's, it's an inanimate object. Yeah. It's a celestial body. It's beautiful, but it's still an inanimate object. So why is it then that we malign individuals who say they're in love with the Eiffel Tower when we have individuals who are in love with the moon? <laughs> we call them astronomers, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> and I'm and they're the salt of the earth. <laughs> I've always assumed it's because it, the moon was there longer than humans were. Like humans have been around for like two million years, uh, rough, no, two hundred thousand years in modern form, but uh, so hominids maybe, yeah. uh, and and the moon's been there a lot longer than that. So it's just been this presence. I, yeah. I guess if it's always there, then then it becomes a friend and a foe, and and you, you as it you attribute a lot to it. It well exactly, and it it it's quite interesting. And you know we only have written history back so far, and early written records don't talk about the moon. They talk about you know how Joe was an ass and nobody liked him, and he shorted people grain. But <laughs> yeah. we have drawings of the moon, <laughs> you know, and and so it's quite intriguing. So mm. what we attribute to the moon is 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 quite fantastic you know even even those individuals who don't have those inclinations towards the passion or mental health issues walk outside and go wow it's a harvest moon yes why why do we do that? yeah so we still we still have attracted to the moon for some reason so it's built into us on a psychological level and therefore we attribute it with magical powers yes absolutely and and even even when you dive into skeptic i mean i'm as as 
broadline, hardcore science skeptic as a psychologist gets, which I know that seems like a kind of contradictory statement. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have positive psychology. Anyway, um, and I still go out and go, wow, that's a beautiful moon. Yes. I mean, that's, Why? That, yeah, that's, it's, I, I mean, that, but that's, I, I guess, anything. I mean, flowers are beautiful to us, and, and there are certain things that are beautiful to us. That's right. I've always assumed, this is, I mean, my, my, once again, layman, I view, it's safety. As in, mm-hmm. if, if you're a little, if you're a little crunchy mammal, and you're, you're tasty for a lot of big things out there, and you're trying to live on the grass plains. So basically, our we've come out of the trees. We're loping around grass plains. We're not very good yet at, at fighting off stuff. We haven't got spears, yeah. and, and we probably have fire on some level. This is probably before Homo sapiens. Anyway, the point of this is. If it's bright, you can see, and if you can see, you can live. If yeah. it's dark, you're you're I, you're literally dog meat. I absolutely agree. I find it quite fascinating. Now, evolutionary psychology studies things like that, and it's a difficult field because, of course, we can't go back to Ardipithecus ramidus, right? We can't get in our little time machine, go back twelve point five mil, give or take, mm. and go, "Hey, why do you do this?" <laughs> so we guess, and yes. we're guessing a lot. Mm. But there is a lot of credence to the idea of safety, you know, and then as a woman, I take more walks on full moon nights for that exact reason. I'm safer. That's it. I can see creepy guy coming. The same reason we light our streets all the time as much as we can everywhere where they you know some people go light, you know, so much light and it's for safety. Same reason as the moon. There are some nights where you can see kilometers away and some nights you can't see your hand in front of your face. That's an amazing, powerful psychological tool mm. you know neighborhoods feel safer if they have street lights the problem is is light pollution and all those lovely side effects but we do we we feel safer when we can see because you're right we are still new somewhat crunchy mammals <laughs> we've just made really big tools to try to stave off the things that will eat us and then we get mad when they do it so it's mainly psychological, which makes sense. Uh, our love of the moon and our and our reverence of it, of course, it doesn't have an effect on the amount of violence around us. If it had, if it never existed, if the moon had never been created, and so we didn't have our companion in the sky, what what's your take on how that would change our psychology? It's really interesting because humans consistently want to defer their behavior. They want to attribute their behavior to something larger. They want to find safety. They want to find community. So if we were assuming humans were the same, but the moon wasn't there, Mm. in a lot of ways, I think we would have more rapidly looked for light. So, Oh, okay. So you think we would have, we would have started working with more like fire or something like that earlier. Yes, much earlier, because we we wouldn't have that safety of full moon light at least, you know, every four weeks. Mm, mm. I think, too, we would find something else that was equally celestial, equally large to kind of build our bond with. (laughs) Now, it would be unfortunate then because it would probably be the sun and we would have died off due to melanoma. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you, we, think, you think there'd be people out there would be instead of being lunatics would be solar tech yes they would be full-out solar techs. so people would say oh my goodness it's um the amount of violence increases in the middle of the day like you wouldn't believe midday oh my goodness everybody goes crazy it'd also be true because most people it are awake during true. the day <laughs> yes 
it's, so, it's already true. Yeah, it is, um, yeah, that's right, yes. You awake in the day, therefore you do your dumb stuff when you're awake. Therefore, at nighttime, there's less dumb awake. stuff. You know, but we, we do attribute all the horrible behaviors to nighttime. Yes. But yes. that's only specific types of horrible behaviors that happen more at night. Most people die during the day. <laughs> <laughs> and this, these comforting words brought to you by Assistant Professor Cassandra Perryman. Yeah. Most people die oh, during yeah. the day. Have a good day, everyone. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, you can ask my students. I am always sunshine and rainbows. And <laughs> here's how many people died of opiate addiction and AIDS. And <laughs> good, good times. Good times. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. I am just all happiness. <laughs> <laughs> So do you think we're all gonna die? We, well, look, look. It's, a, it's most. I'm, I, as I always said, I'm going to live forever or die trying. That's my that's my plan. Um, that I'm, I'm, I I'm, like that plan. I'm working towards I'm, it. Um, I have not, a feeling you'll succeed. Thank you. <laughs> I think. Hang on a minute. <laughs> so, do you, think, do you think there's any other way that human beings would change uh, psychologically if there was no moon? We'd attribute it to something else, probably the sun, uh, maybe the planets. We'd be, we'd be able to see the planets more clearly. We wouldn't be washed out. The sky would be much more open. The nighttime sky, much more open to us because it, yes. would, it wouldn't be washed out. Much more. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, full moon. You talk to an astronomer, they hate the moon. Like they're just like, oh, the bloody moon. It's just so annoying to them. Uh, <laughs> So, oh, it's a psychologist. I love it. I find it hilarious and amazing. And and but it it's it's a very interesting concept because, like I said, there are some individuals who believe they're lycanthropes. Mm. What's the hitch point of lycanthropy? It's the moon. Mm. I've heard you know the term lunatic. Yes, Luna. That's li- exactly like you said. It's lunar. We viewed madness on a cycle. We viewed madness as coming out at night. We viewed madness as the fault of the moon. We chained people to walls because of this connection to the moon. So it's a very intriguing idea to not have the moon. Well, what about those individuals whose specific mental illness attached them to this idea of the moon? Yeah. You know, I had a an individual I worked with. We're going on 20 years ago. I'm going to date myself here. Or I'm going to tell you how young I started working. How about that? That's right, yes. You're, you're uh, a prodigy seven-year-old. Yeah, uh, exactly. They see, fantastic. This is why we get along. Um, <laughs> so I had I had this individual I worked with. They had quite severe schizophrenia. Um, high levels of medication still did not diminish the delusions to the point the individual could mesh into mainstream society. Mm. Okay, so this is a severe diagnosis. And they dead set thought they were a Roman goddess. <laughs> no, okay. That's amazing. I love it. But no, it was quite amazing. They had a very good sense of humor about it too, because, you know, hi, I'm, you know, Hera. It just doesn't go over well in conversation. <laughs> um, but now imagine if that mythology didn't exist. Mm. That individual would still have schizophrenia, but what would they use to make sense of their world? Yeah. Right? If they didn't have the mythology to make sense of what their brain was telling them, what would they use? It would be the same thing with the moon. What would they then use to make sense would, of the reality their brain presenting? Is it possible that they would they would pick another cycle? So they would say, I'm only mad in spring. I, I'm spring madness. 
So, oh, quite possibly, yes. So for three yes. months they oh, go absolutely. off their they go off their brain, and then for the rest of the year they're like, no, I'm fine. Yeah. It's winter, it's winter, summer, and autumn. We're cool, but spring I go crazy. Crazy, Bruh! <laughs> it's completely possible. We're people. <laughs> Name a thing that's not capable. As I as I tell folks all the time, your brain is not your friend. <laughs> it's trying to kill you at every turn. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like <laughs> no. Why do we? Why do we say it's horrible? Your brain is horrible. The it's a enemy horrible, behind horrible my creature. Eyes. Damn it! Yeah. Yes, it is. It does. Whisper, it's it does the reason things that to me at night. I must admit. <laughs> oh, you're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> it's called anxiety. There's medication for that now. <laughs> oh, hooray! But it is it is quite phenomenal what your brain can then attach to. Now, we do have real things, of course, where individuals, and here's where the moon gets interesting again. Individuals in winter get more depressed. We call it seasonal affective disorder. Right. More moon, more depression, actual physiological oh. depression. And they're treated with UV lamps. Is it the moon or is it the night? It's the night, right? but yes. night is attributed to the moon. I see what you're saying there. Yes, okay, you know, right. So interesting. It's a very interesting leap. And I've talked to a lot of clients who said, oh, I don't like it when the moon comes up. Right. And I'm like, but it's not the moon. It's your odd reaction to lack of sunlight. It's that mm. you can't quite manage dark and seasonal affective disorder is intriguing because you can argue that it's psychosomatic but it still leads to physiological changes so what's in your head does to a certain extent affect your body we would still we could potentially have a lot more depressed people maybe potentially if there was no moon yes now it's it's really interesting because look at rates of depression in alaska in winter look at suicide rates of depression in alaska in winter they go up. Norway, Sweden, all these very north polar, southern Tasmania even. Oh, my goodness. It's very intriguing. And that does exist. I would say that if we didn't have a full moon, we'd probably have more because it would be dark all night. Mm. Yes. The, the night is dark and full of terrors, to quote Game of Thrones. Absolutely. Isn't it, though? I've always wondered if, if that's because we evolved as a species, sort of more tropically and more on the equator, sort of African, the African start Absolutely. of the species. Yeah, no, we are a diurnal species. Individuals who do night shifts and things like that, it, it messes with their circadian rhythm, and they do have problems. We, we are a species that has evolved to be awake during the day. Yes, yes. And that's, I'm once again, assume for safety's sake, because if you're crunchy and taste good yeah. to, to everything else, if you lie very still in a cave yeah, somewhere... Yeah, and your eyes yeah. are just not just built for it, so you're like, you can't see in one. <laughs> well, it's it's woman. Don't jog at night. Yes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. So daytimes for hunting and gathering. Okay. Nighttimes for making more humans, and that's it. That's all of this. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> and there came all of our values. I think we need to snip that and put it on a poster, <laughs> and off we go. I am now adding that to my next set of lectures. <laughs> I, love, I <laughs> love the idea of smart gathering, night time, more humans. <laughs> I teach circadian rhythm, so oh, <laughs> watch me. There you go. Smart enough to know better will now be taught across California. Brilliant. 
I, I weep for right. the species. <laughs> oh, I'm already teaching them. We've got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Assistant Professor Cassandra Perryman. I, I've once again, I, we have to keep these short to get everyone in. But I, the more I talk to people, the more I want to talk to them. So I could talk for hours. I hope we'll get you back on, I think, to talk more about this topic in the future. Absolutely. You know, I adore the podcast. It's always great talking to you. No moon. Linguistics. And to discuss this idea, we have joining us Gretchen McCulloch from Lingthusiasm, a podcast that is enthusiastic about linguistics. Indeed. I am really enthusiastic about this idea that what would the lang- what would our language look like if we didn't have a moon? I can think of a couple ideas about the the language and the uh, and the word moon already. So the first one that comes to mind is lunatic. That's the famous one for me. Yeah, so lunatics won, but I want to start, you know, so there's no word for moon itself because we never needed to name it. You may not know this, but on our podcast, because we came up with this a couple of years ago, we've actually got the listeners to name it, and we named it Colin. So the moon is named Colin. Uh, well, so Colin is not around anymore. Well, that's right. Colin is gone. So named after Michael Collins, uh, Collins uh, the, the, um, what, the astronaut who went around the moon but didn't actually get to go on the moon. Uh, so, uh, yes. So Colin is vanished. He's, it's gone from the sky. Well, not vanished. It's going to make it. It never existed, really. <laughs> it's going to make it terribly difficult to talk about what it is when there's no. Yes. Because we don't have. <laughs> we don't have the vocabulary for so it. How do you think it would change our vocabulary? In what way do you think it would affect us linguistically? Well. So I think ultimately we'd end up with a word like satellite or something like that because other planets do have moons and other things do orbit other planets. So if you think of something like an asteroid or a comet or other celestial bodies that we developed names for, but sometimes those names sound a lot more technical. Mm, mm. So the moon is right there. It's very visible. You know, moon and sun are words that I as far as I know, all languages have, because all humans have this experience. And they tend to be very basic vocabulary. One of the things that's very interesting about when you look at vocabulary is that the most basic and the most common words in a language also tend to be the shortest. And more technical and less common words tend to be longer. Oh. And so moon and sun are both relatively short words. Even shorter are words like a uh and the and of, which are all very short. So moon and sun tend to be very short, and they tend to be very common in a variety of languages because they're part of everybody's daily experience, literally daily experience. Just look up, and there it is. <laughs> Just look up, and there it is. So unless you had a language that was, for example, only spoken by blind people, who <laughs> would probably need a word for the sun because you can feel the sun, but you can't feel the moon rays on you, the moon would become this thing that you'd read about in a textbook or something, kind of like the way we read about Alpha Centauri or these kinds of things yes. that we don't have a direct experience of. Languages developed over thousands of years, if you know, hundreds of thousands of years, and but we've only known about other moons for 400 years. Like the Galilean moons around Jupiter were the first ones discovered by Galileo and uh, with a telescope. So Exactly. And you can see telescope is a longer word. It's a compound. It's from the Greek tele and scope, meaning distance and sea. And so you'd expect the, this created word for moon to have been created 
uh, out of, let's say, some Greek roots, you know? Yes. Well, well uh, that's, oh, going down that path, then, maybe something based on planet, because we know we planets as the wanderers, and then mm-hmm. and then we, you'd say something about it going around it or something like that. Or maybe it's a microplanet or something like that. Yeah. Or rotoplanetae or something weird like that. Like, it goes round the planet. I'm just making things up now. That sounds yeah, vaguely yeah, exactly. linguistic. Like, <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. So you, you'd end up probably with some sort of compound that would be created because I'm assuming you're not saying no moons ever, just not our moon. Not our moon, yes. And something, honestly, that could have happened, right? Because for a long time in human history, the moon was only our moon. The portion when it became possible to talk about moons, plural, and other planets' moons. That's an extension. And the time when that extension happened would be the time that our new hypothetical moon word could have happened. But another thing that could have happened, uh, like the fact that our sun is a star and there aren't really other suns, Mm -hmm. we could have kept moon for just our item and came up with a new word like microplanet to be these other satellites or we could have just used satellite for them or something like that to be these other satellites of other celestial objects you're right whatever we call things going around other things that's what we start sort of calling them but uh, yeah exactly and another very basic term that we would have that is the moon is responsible for is the word month so a a month is a is a month a month if you will that's fantastic it's a I'm, it's a moon I'm, rotation. I'm just going to call it a moon from now on. I will see you in seven moons. That sounds that sounds amazing. I, that's where the origin is from. I feel like I'm I'm some Lord of the Rings now. It's like in one <laughs> moon I will be at the other side of the planet. That's brilliant. Yeah, it, it kind of takes you back to to expressions like Fortnite and Sennite, which is a seven night. It, what, what, I didn't. I knew Fortnite. That's very Australian, but uh, we, we use it in Australia. But what's what's the other one? Sen night, which is short for se- seven night a week. Oh, so th- is it sep- sept night? Sen night, S E N N. Oh my goodness. Oh, I love that. Sen night. Listeners, you use can that see that in sentence in... today. <laughs> you can see that in some older literature. So people will talk about. So Fortnite, I mean, it's still, it's still kind of used in Canada, not so much as in Australia, I think. But uh, older literature also uses sen night. Oh my for God. a period of seven nights. Oh, I'm going to tell my I'm going to tell my boss. You can have the report in one sen night, and then just leave the room while they look confused. <laughs> I mean, I think this is a natural way to start creating some of these other expressions. Like every number could be squashed to the point of near quasi unrecognizability and <laughs> affixed to night. Why stop with seven? You know, and at night could be eight, eight maybe. <laughs> So, so because there's no moon, so we have to start, take the start with the smallest time period, which is a day cycle. We don't have then we have um, a yearly cycle. We, we'd know about that cycle because of the sun, mm-hmm. but we wouldn't have the interim ones based on the lunar calendar. So we wouldn't have months, so as you said. We wouldn't have the month, uh, which is a twenty-eight originally a twenty-eight day cycle, and lots and lots of cultures measure time based on a 28-day moon cycle because it's very readily observable mm. and it's a useful period to to look at. Oh, uh, and the week, the seven-day week, doesn't really have a celestial requirement. 
No, no, that's a good point. I wonder... There's there's nothing celestial about a week. Hmm. But the one thing that is that is convenient about the week is that it divides evenly into 28. Which so is... if you divide a 28-day moon cycle by four, you end up with a week. I don't know if that's where a week came from, but like there have been other proposals to talk to divide to have mid-length divisions so during the french revolution when they were implementing things like the metric system we actually talked about ways that different languages measure time more broadly in an episode of lingthusiasm if your listeners want to uh, check that out as well they should definitely and do that immediately not straight away keep listening to this now but after <laughs> this no, don't after pa- this go listen yeah, to yeah, that don't pause don't listen to gretchen <laughs> after, but the cool thing that we brought up there was that the French Revolutionary Calendar, they tried to implement a 10-day week because, well, if you're going to go metric, you might as well go, like, proper metric. Full metric. We do rag on our American cousins on the podcast for their crazy, crazy uh, length. Oh, I mean, so we. We have metric in Canada, so. Yes, no, 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 I know you're far superior than... Than, than the people to yourself. So uh, I'm sorry, American listeners. I do love you. It's all right. I promise. But, uh, yes, but, but like, we could have ended up like time. the French. That's right. We could have. We could have had full metric time. I think they were trying to implement. I don't remember how they did the months. They renamed all the months or all the weeks after like harvest festival and like different types of things that were planted and grown at that time. But I don't know what they did with the months. I forgot to, to look that one up, but they did try to implement a 10-day week. The month is such a useful time period for us because <laughs> it breaks up this long 12-month one. We wouldn't exist the year, whatever. Let's call it the year. That's what it's called. Um, uh, yeah. I, I'm trying to think and of anything in the human experience that would be between a like a 10-day and then 365 days. Well, so another one, which is also moon-based, is the idea of a semester or a trimester. All right. Because that semester part is also related to the Latin mensis, which meant month, which was also related to moon. Ah, so maybe a time, so keeping that idea, maybe based on the gestation of a human baby, that would be considered an interim time period at that nine months or so. That's a, hang on. How long, right. long does it take so, a baby to be born? It's nine months, isn't it? I can never remember. It's nine months. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking elephants. Well, My brain kept saying, two years, two years, two years. That's an elephant's <laughs> brain. It's like, I don't care. I like elephants. Like, I can tell you don't have kids. No, no. I don't. <laughs> Good catch. Well, and so there's another word that's also moon-related, which is menstrual or menstruate. Because that also tends to have around a lunar cycle. Oh and it's goodness. also yeah. from Latin mensis. So there have been, you know, very, very early uh, civilizations tracking time. And you can find things like, you know, a stick with notches in it, you know, that repeat every 28 days. And there's a really interesting anecdote from, I think this is an anthropologist or something who was in a, a class saying, oh, this is man's first calendar. And she's sitting there in the class thinking, who wants to track 28-day cycles? I think that's woman's first mm, calendar. Mm. Just... <laughs> right, so we might still have a 28-day cycle, yes. but we might have kind of kind of the way that we count, you know, why have a decimal system? <laughs> why were the French revolutionaries into a decimal system? Well, it's because we have 10 fingers. The... You know, like there's no particular reason to have a decimal system either. It's just because we have 10 fingers. So maybe we wouldn't have months. Maybe we would have woman's. Maybe, right? <laughs> or maybe we'd have 20-day periods because we have 10 fingers and 10 toes. Ah. And there are – so there are cultures that used that use cycles of 20 for things. 
Yes. Um, the, the ancient Mayans used 20s for, for a lot of things. There were cultures that used 12 for a lot of things because 12 is very equally divisible into lots of numbers. Even things like our numbering system for time, mm. uh, you know, 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, that 60 is based on being divisible into 12 and into 20 and into 5, which were all really useful numbers for people. And you know, and 12, three and four and all 12 hours in the day. Yes. Yeah, well, in 12 hours in the day, that's a, that's a relic of the base 12 system. And that's, that's and, Babylonian, I think. I think it's like all the way goes all the way back, back yeah. to Babylonians, which is a long way. And if if the French revolutionaries had done a really good job, maybe we'd have a 10-hour day. But longer, no, uh, yes, longer hours. Yeah, so the hours would have to be longer. Yes. Well, so we'd have a 10-hour day, but each hour would be divided into presumably 100 minutes. Yes. Uh, okay. Because <laughs> you're gonna, you gotta go proper metric. Yes, you've got, you've got. Look, you have to go proper metric. Every, everyone cool is proper metric. Just <laughs> right. Well, so what's interesting about this? So the root of uh, the word, the old English word "moon" itself, is related to the Proto-Indo-European root "me," which means to measure. Oh my goodness! And so. It's not just that measuring is named after the moon, it's that the moon is also named after measurement. That's unlocked another level here. So it's because the moon takes a, has a 28-day cycle to go around. Well, we, get, we, we rotate each other, orbit each other. But um, Perceptually. Per- yes, yes. For ancient peoples. It yeah, looks like it's going around. That's right, yes. It's just my side, side note there. Uh, <laughs> technically correct, the best sort of correct. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and so, but it's named after measuring. So that does mean that we may still have months because it may just be named after measurements, uh, uh, whatever we make on what, fingers, toes, whatever it you'd is. You'd have to measure, you'd have to measure something else, name something else after the word to measure. Yes. Oh my goodness. We've cracked it. So it, so it goes a lot deeper than, so I, I knew so it went you, to the you'd moon. End up, you'd end up with like ments or something, right? Because the measure root is meh and then that changes to moon. And so you, if presuming that change didn't happen, you'd have to have menths or meths. I'm wondering now if it's called moon. You know, you talked before about uh, sen nights because you're crushing a word down like single night and then or like single week of the fortnights or the rest. I'm wondering now if moon just comes from the thing we measure. Like that's a measurement of time. No, it, no, no. So there's, there's three steps, right? So there's Proto-Indo-European meh to measure, which gives rise to... Uh, Proto-Indo-European menses, moon month, moon or month. Uh, and then that menses gives rise to a bunch of words in a bunch of Indo-European languages about moon that mostly have that N in it or that S. I see. And then there's a bunch of other words that don't have the N or the S that are also derived from this, this larger common root, uh, like metric. So- uh, Right. Like the word metric itself. <laughs> it's not it's not metric or mestric. Yes. Or something which would be if it had the moon part in it. So there's a there's three steps. You get meh and then you get men, mensis and then you get uh you know that dr- descends into old uh proto-germanic menon which is the origin of old english mona or mona. Right. Um you're welcome. And then also I'm sorry, no. <laughs> That's not <laughs> also uh, Sanskrit masa, uh, Persian ma, oh Greek goodness. mene, Latin mensis, um, uh, Old Irish me. And some of these words only mean month now in those languages. They don't all mean moon still. By changing the moon, you know, just just by getting rid of the moon, suddenly a fundamental part of language is changed. 
so deeply, like so rooted in the base of our languages, like well, so many languages around the world just vanish. Not the languages, but the, the words. I'm just gobsmacked. You know, and these are just your European languages, and I don't know enough about, uh, you know, words for moons in other languages. I'm using Edim Online, uh, which is a great online etymology dictionary uh, for some of these origins, because I don't, you know, being a linguist doesn't confer upon me the ability to speak all the languages. <laughs> That's fair enough. That's... <laughs> so reference reference materials are good. I endorse reference yeah. materials. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, there's a... Uh, you know, there's a bunch of other, there are other words related to moon, and I don't know how they, how they work with time, but it's, it's very popular for, for Europe. And there's a bunch of, you know, there's a bunch of metaphors related to, to moon, right? right? So you have things like to moon someone. <laughs> yes. 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 Well, yeah, we know, well, yes, well, okay. But I, <laughs> I guess you wouldn't, yes, you wouldn't full, it's like, it's meant to look like the full moon, I've always assumed. That's what, the, so I guess you would just, it would, you would just bear your bum at them or, yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. The, the, the quote that I have in, from Adam Online is, probably from the idea of pale circularity. <laughs> which I think is very eloquent. So maybe in our no moon scenario, you just dinner plate someone. Yeah, or you you sun someone, I so, guess. Or well, you depends how it depends how rosy cheeked buttocks you have. Yeah. Um, See, that might work for Australians, think... but for Europeans with their with their frosty buttocks, I don't think that would work. I mean, we have beautiful bronze well, tan thinking, buttocks. I was thinking that the frost might reflect more of the sunlight. <laughs> I, I love because the way that, if, you know... the, the light glinted off your backside. <laughs> Yes, yes, it's very eloquent. It's very uh, Shakespeare's best line. Yes, things like you know to shoot the moon, uh, the man in the moon. Yes, but now to shoot the moon means to to um, uh, to go for it, doesn't it? I think it's like to shoot for the stars. Yeah, to sh- shoot shoot for the moon. I think uh, apparently there's another British slang that's to shoot the moon, meaning to leave without paying rent. Um, but I don't know that one. I've never heard that one either. Maybe our, Europe, our, our European uh, listeners would have heard that one. That's interesting. I know to, to yeah. shoot for the moon. Okay, that's different again. But see, those sort yeah. of ones like shoot for the moon, that's easy enough to change to shoot for the stars or... Like, yeah, I can, yeah, I can that's okay. Over, though you wouldn't know what it is. Oh, my goodness. So, yes, once again, it's, I shouldn't be surprised because obviously changing the, the fundamental thing like the moon would change everything. So another one, so you mentioned, you know, lunatic and these kinds of things, which is obviously related to the Latin word luna. One that I think is an interesting connection is the word crescent. And so crescent comes from a Latin word meaning to come forth, to spring up, to grow. And so in the moon context, a crescent moon is a growing moon. It's a waxing moon. But subsequently, people started using crescent to refer to the shape rather than the growth stage draw a crescent or you have, you know, the symbol of Islam is the crescent and these are, or you have a croissant, which is the French for crescent, which is the thing you eat. My goodness. So you might not even have croissants. You couldn't have croissants. That's without the moon. We have no croissants. (laughs) What would my breakfast even look like? You could roll them into a different shape, one assumes. But yes, but it wouldn't be a croissant then. It would be some sort of terrible mound of baguette. bread. It would be a, who wants baguettes for breakfast? That's, that's just monstrous. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. So this is, and this is the same origin, the same root of the word. It's in crescendo. 
which means growing, rising. Are we honestly saying without the moon, we may not have the word crescendo and crescent? We'd have different words. Well, so crescendo you would still have because that just preserves the meaning of growing. Growing, okay. And increasing. That's fine, okay. So plants grow. So you're, we're okay on the growing side. Yes. The, but the link from growth to looking like a crescent. Yes. So you have to That's find a link you can't make like without that. the moon. You'd have, I'm trying to think in, in those days what you might have. And the only thing I can think of would be horns, like the shape of a, of a cow horns. Yeah, so you could have a horn. I was thinking maybe, you know, if you look at your fingernail and like the white bit along the top is kind of crescent oh, shaped. Oh, yes. So what's that called? But um, I don't know if I want to eat a pastry fingernail. <laughs> in another universe, there's someone out there going, breakfast names after moons, that's madness, madness. <laughs> give me my fingernail or, right. or give me death. That's right. Mother, I will chew my fingernails. I will like it. You should have more butter. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gretchen McCulloch, it's been honestly mind-blowing i didn't expect to have this level of of brain hurt by the end of this thank you very much for for joining me on the no moon version of the podcast i'm very pleased to have broken your brain and hopefully your listeners brains as well. oh, and you should definitely go over and see uh, listen to gretchen mcculloch at enthusiasm a podcast that's enthusiastic about linguistics immediately yes thanks for having me no moon Ecology. And to answer this part of the podcast, we are joined by Dr. Harriet Mills, an ecologist at the Center for Ecosystems Management at Edith Cowan University. Hi, Greg. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, we're here to talk about the very serious topic of what happens if there was no moon. But let's back up slightly and say, how does the moon affect animals? Or does it affect animals? Do the the animals even care that there's a moon? Well, we certainly know that the moon does impact on animals in several different ways. So the most important thing, I suppose, is, well, there's several different aspects, but um, it's known that moonlight can affect the seasonal cycles and the daily cycles of animals. So things like um, breeding seasons, are often impacted by lunar cycles and there's been various studies that have correlated phases of the moon with reproduction in animals. So fish, for example, um, uh, the lunar cycle is tied to their spawning and there's been a few studies where if you keep fish completely in the dark, they don't spawn, so they stop breeding. Oh, right. (laughs) <laughs> so they just so it's it's not just correlated to the moon. That's actually almost sounds like a causation thing. Of if they see the light and then they go, okay, it's time to breed. Yeah, so that's what uh, we think happens, um, and corals as well. Things like corals, the um, spawning increases um, at the full moon by about three times. So it's oh quite goodness. a significant effect. How can corals see the moon? Well, that's interesting. So. With most animals, we think that the way that they, well, with nocturnal animals, the way they detect the moonlight is through the hormone melatonin, which is also known as the sort of darkness hormone. Mm. Um, And so it's produced in the dark. And so what is happening there is that there's cells in the eyes that can detect light and dark. 
And so in the dark, there's a signal sent through the cells in the back of the eye into the pineal gland in the brain. Um, and that's what produces the melatonin. So the amount of melatonin produced is dictated by the amount of darkness. Right. And that, of course, is affected by how much moonlight there is. Uh, uh, just step, one step back, though. I have to ask a very simple question. Coral have eyes? <laughs> <laughs> no. So that's the way it works in vertebrate animals. Ah, right. Um, now, with corals, that's an interesting question, and I'm not sure exactly how corals do detect that moonlight. So I'm not sure on that one. <laughs> That's all right. That's okay. I, I just, I, I'm hoping they don't have eyes because I've gone yeah. swimming. I've gone swimming in a coral reef. I mean, now the idea of like a billion coral watching me go past scares <laughs> the heck out of me. Eyes, but they do have various um, sensory cells so which can you know detect light and darkness oh my goodness okay that's still makes me worried I, I don't like i don't like being watched when i swim it's not a, it's not a fun thing uh, <laughs> i only swim by myself in the dark <laughs> <laughs> so some animals definitely so they detect the light and they and they, they said it activates a certain part of their brain that makes them behave in a certain way basically that's right yes so that can be really important for breeding, um, but also for other sorts of types of behaviour. Things like um, animals that live in very seasonal environments where there's a change in coat colour, so arctic foxes and things like that where their coat colour changes to white when there's snow around. Those are thought to be regulated by the amount of melatonin. I've heard of melatonin that people talk about if you can't sleep, you have sleeping issues. Sometimes melatonin is something they sort of say uh, uh, that could be an issue. So you don't don't have lots of blue light before bed and all that sort of stuff. That's right. Yeah, there's been quite a lot of research around that recently, particularly with blue light, which is something that humans haven't really been exposed to very much historically. Mm. And so other types of light don't affect don't disrupt the melatonin as much as blue light. So people do weird things like um, wear goggles that block out blue light <laughs> to try and help them prepare for sleep. Just put things your like screen that. down. Don't watch YouTube <laughs> in phone. bed. It's that <laughs> exactly. simple. So most of it comes from, I think. I mean, I'm not, I'm not an expert on this, but I think that's... I wonder where all that blue light's coming from. Exactly, yep. <laughs> but of course... And, say, and historically, fire and things like that is a yellow light, not a blue light. So yes. we're reasonably well adapted with coping with that sort of level of light, those wavelengths. But blue light is something that we're not very well adapted to, so it can mess up things in our brain. So there's a few other things, um, other ways in which moonlight can affect animals. So we know that it can influence predator-prey relationships. Mm. And there's been a few studies that show, depending on how much moonlight there is, animals are more or less active, depending on whether they're prey species or predator species. So animals like small rodents that tend to be more uh, prey species. Right. Crunchy and delicious. Yes. Yeah, delicious ones. Uh, they tend to be less active when there's bright moonlight. They've learnt to avoid the risk of yes. being more visible when they're foraging at night. Um, and, yeah, and conversely, so predators tend to use moonlight and uh, that is making them more efficient when they're, when they're out on the hunt. So, um, so, so predators still come out, even though the prey has a habit of going to ground 
when the when the moonlights are high, the predators still go. I'm going to go out tonight. You know, go it's out in the dark. I, there have been studies that show that when there's a full moon, lions just sort of give up and are not very active because they know that the prey species are not going to be around. They're going yep. to be too smart and hiding away somewhere rather than out foraging. <laughs> so there is this sort of interesting relationship um, between. I love the idea of all these lions sitting on the plains going, oh, it's waxing gibbous, but is it, is it gibbous enough yet? I don't know. It could yeah. be, look, it's a, it's, oh, it's, we're about four days in. Yeah, they, they, those gazelles are stupid. They, they'll, they'll be, they'll be pushing the envelope. It's, it's kind of, it's sort of like a bell curve of like, well, it you know. Absolutely is, yeah. So where there's that medium amount of moonlight, then I guess that's, you know, everyone's out and about. There must be a lot happening on the, Savannah. <laughs> it was like, I'll take a chance because if I take a chance, I'll get more food and, and I may not get eaten by lions. And the lions are like, I'll take a chance because I may get to kill a gazelle and it may be worth it. Exactly. Animals are pretty good at balancing up um, benefit cost relationships and um, tr- they're fairly risk adverse. And there have been various studies that look at how much animals are willing to forage under different um, risks of predation. There's, yeah, so it's quite interesting. I they try like to align my accountant. That sounds good. <laughs> as in, as in that would be really useful. They're like, well, no, calm down, Greg. You're spending too much money. And look, we have to put some into investment, but not all of it. Not just we have to spend it around a bit. Bit of blue chips, a bit of high risk, so you'll be fine. Lion accountants is a thing, I tell you. It's going to be a thing of the future. Okay. And I guess the other thing is in terms of affecting tides. So we know the moon has a really strong effect on tides. Yes, yes. Um, apparently what I what I read is that um, the sun also influences tides to some degree, but the moon is by far the greatest influence. Absolutely. Uh, and so, of course, there's lots of ecosystems that depend on tides. So mangroves, for instance, grow along the sort of tidal zone and rely on the movement of water in and out. So when the tides are low, it means that oxygen can get to their roots and they can grow. And when they're submerged by water, um, you know, they, they're well adapted to that. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of invertebrates and fish that use that habitat when the tide is in to forage for food and find shelter and so on. Mm. Similarly with intertidal systems, so coral reefs and reef platforms where the tide moves in and out, those are really highly biodiverse ecosystems and strongly influenced by the moon. Now the question, of course, is that's all the information, well, some of the information about what happens if there was a moon but now if we say, let's say the moon didn't exist, we, we just didn't have a moon. And okay. So what happened to the moon in this scenario? <laughs> no, 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 nothing happened. It didn't blow up or the aliens didn't steal it. It's just never existed. Okay. So it, it, we've never had a moon. It's, so we, it's just never been in the sky. What do you think would have happened? If, and if everything else was roughly the same, like we wouldn't have, as you said, we'd have smaller ties due to the sun, but and we would, we'd still have the animals we have. We're assuming that we'd have the animals as okay. roughly as we have them, unless you want to change that. How, <laughs> how do you think it would change how animals behave if there was no moon? Yeah, that's an interesting question, isn't it? So I suppose the first thing is that nocturnal animals might be influenced 
quite a lot because many of them rely on moonlight mm. to help them um, find their way and forage for food and navigate around their habitats. So without the moon, there'd still be some night light in the sky from stars, yes. but a lot less. So I guess we might see different adaptations to darkness. Perhaps we might see a lot more nocturnal animals that have reduced eyes, for instance, because maybe light plays less of a role for nocturnal animals. And, right. and that wouldn't be so useful if there was no moonlight to capture through even having, you know, you can have very large eyes and still not be capturing very much light if there's no moon. So perhaps animals would have evolved differently. Yeah, yeah, with ears with, or something. Or, yeah, larger ears or, yeah, what, or, or the biggest eyes you've ever seen to pick up starlights. <laughs> They're just kind of like dragging their eyes around on wheelbarrows. Uh, yes. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe without the wheelbarrows. Okay, but, fair, no, okay, but I'll, extremely I'll... large eyes. Perhaps they would shift their patterns of foraging and forage more um, during the day or around dawn and dusk when there's more light present rather than in the middle of the night when it's really dark. Yes. Yes. So that's, so that's, I was, that's what I was wondering. If... if it's so at the moment you have nocturnal animals. They may have to give up being nocturnal and become diurnal. I do believe. Um, and, Correct. Uh, or crepuscular, which means um, that they are active at dawn and dusk. Crepuscular. Correct. They, okay, crepuscular. There you go. So, so they, you may so you may get lots of animals running around at dawn and dusk, and then they all go to sleep at night and at day. They just have a few hours to forage. Possibly. That's really interesting. That would be very weird. And if they wanted to go out at night, they'd have to have an adaption, something like a bat maybe? Yeah, possibly, or some other way of navigating. So we know a lot of animals that make long migrations or even ones that move around shorter distances do use uh, magnetic fields of oh, okay. earth and things like that to help navigate. So if you're playing with a magnet, suddenly you'd have like a, a small mammal in your window just getting running around. Instead of a moth to a flame, it'd be like a like a lemur to a magnet just walking around <laughs> your magnet looking very confused. You'd need a strong magnet, but um, here in <laughs> Perth we'd, we'd need a pretty strong magnet okay, so, oh. <laughs> to attract a lemur. <laughs> That's right. Without the moon, um, there'd be changes perhaps in the spin of the Earth. So I have heard that maybe without the moon present, then our Earth days might be shorter. So that would also, animals, in terms of their physiology, we'd have to adapt, you know, other animals, but humans as well, would have to adapt to shorter days and fitting our daily activities into a shorter period of time. But if they're shorter days, then there's also shorter nights, I suppose, if the Earth is actually spinning faster. Yes. Then, yeah, there's a shorter number of hours in a day. And um, the other thing that the moon affects is the tilt of the axis of the Earth, I believe, as well. And so that has a huge influence on seasons of the Earth. So if we played around with that and if the moon was no longer there and that affected the tilt of the earth and therefore the seasons, uh, of course, that would have a huge impact on all sorts of uh, animal reproductive cycles, hibernations, mm. a lot of the ways that animals adapt to those changes in the seasons. 
I wonder what else they'd have to focus on if they if, if animals are like okay it's it's coming to winter we all need to go south where it's warmer and that's what happens in the tropics is that conditions are much more even across the seasons so animals tend to be less migratory and don't go through those large seasonal changes that we see in um, higher latitudes mm, okay so now let's go the other way because if you don't have a moon it doesn't stabilize your orbit so your uh, your tilt, it could go very much the other way. Instead of having a 23-degree tilt, you could have like a 48-degree tilt almost. Or you could have anything you like, really, which means the seasons would be extreme. So would that mean that animals would have to get out of Dodge, like a lot of the time, like get out of the area they live in very quickly? Yeah, well, that would cause... I mean, we worry at the moment about the effects of climate change on animals because animals can't adapt fast enough to mm. change in climate. So... If the moon was no longer there and animals had to suddenly adapt to massive climatic changes, I'm not sure how fast they'd be able to do that and we'd yeah. probably see mass extinctions. Yes, if the moon vanished, but if the moon had never been there, you just had a slow, a slow yeah. progression of seasons. I wonder if that means that the animals that could move, so birds, whales can migrate, anything that can migrate can get away is they would in my mind they might be okay but all the ones that just go no we like koalas are done like the, yeah. you know they... polar bears things like that that had been you know at the poles because if you had a huge tilt of 45 degrees or whatever yes. it would probably mean that we would no longer have polar ice caps mm. and so it's a very different worlds we have now actually very, it's very, different. It's very similar unfortunately <laughs> North one, under all the North Pole, isn't all vanishing? Anyway, that's a, that's a terrible story for another time. Yes, the loss uh, of the sea ice. Not good for polar bears. No. If animals had to move, though, if in a massively tilted world, that means birds would do quite well. So maybe we would still be in the planet of the dinosaurs, like the non, the, the avian dinosaurs. Maybe. Well, as, as you know, birds are the closest relative to dinosaurs and some people would argue that they essentially are dinosaurs still flying around. Nice feathered dinosaurs. I love it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so are there any, are there any other uh, adaptions you think would happen for animals? Well, I guess we talked earlier about tides and how they're really important for ecosystems. So without the moon, if we didn't have those tides happening and if our oceans were just much more static, then I guess animals would be adapted to that and maybe we wouldn't have or we certainly wouldn't have the same sorts of ecosystems in mangrove areas in intertidal systems so um, marine algaes and seagrasses and marine animals would adapt to that more static kind of environment Dr. Harry Mills thank you very much I do appreciate your time talking today about having no moon my pleasure No, no moon, moon. Literature. literature. And to talk about that literature, someone we've never interviewed on the podcast before, a newcomer to the interviewee slot. Please put your hands together for Dan Beeston from... Hey! Master Know Better. Hello! I must be some sort of world-renowned author yeah. to be here in the literature <laughs> question. I have talked to many different people in this No Moon special for Wild Wonders Why, and I've talked to my all sorts of things, but the one I want to talk to you about is Douglas Adams and the cricket robots, because they seem to come from a world that has no moon. 
That is true. Now, I I knew you wanted to talk to me about this, and I considered rereading that bit, but then I thought it might be more interesting if we just go off my memories, because I haven't read it in, like, 15 years, <laughs> and right. all the bits which I get wrong can make our listeners get really, ex- like, upset and excited and be able to write in. <laughs> now, the cricket robots, they were developed by a... By, uh, 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 people on a planet which had a gas cloud around the planet. Mm. So the gas cloud was thick enough that you couldn't see stars. No stars, yeah, And right. you couldn't see the moon. There was, they had, I, I can only assume there were no birds either, and basically there was nothing to look at when you looked up. Into the night sky, yeah, that's right. Into the night sky, even during the day, the sun was up there, but it was so bright they didn't look at it. They oh, couldn't I see. look at it, so ah, they didn't. Yes, I see. So the, they never looked their, up. Their, their, yeah, their entire existence started from the horizon and worked its way down from there. Right. Okay, so they were they they, they would they would write songs about being above the grass rather than under the moon. Mm-hmm. Okay, they wouldn't be under a under a radiant sky. They would be over some delightful rocks. <laughs> So their, their literature was a little bit sort of busted and broken. Or not, not but it was, just, it was from a very particular perspective. That's right, yes. I, and I really like that. It was one of those wonderful moments when reading that myself many years ago when you realise that, that what you take for granted is, is just that. It's just what you just take it for granted. It's not necessarily the way it has to be. It's just important to us. So if there was no moon, we wouldn't discuss the radiant moon. We wouldn't even have that as a concept. We would just pick something else we would say under a tree or next to the building or something like that it would it would be something interesting i I imagine mountains would be more important mountains ooh, next to the the delightful range they wouldn't really have shadows either because the diffuse light you wouldn't be in the shadow of the mountain it would just be dimmer now these aliens are quite interesting because of this perspective one day this crazy sound emerged from the sky but they didn't think about the sky as being a place where noises came from. Like, they were looking all around them. They were even looking down at the ground to try to figure out where the sound was coming from when a spaceship dropped out of the sky and landed and crash-landed on the planet. Mm. And, and suddenly they were like, oh, that, that thing, that came from the place where nothing exists. Like, where there, and it never even really occurred to them to look up. And they're like, oh, there's something up there. The speed at which they developed the technology to launch rockets was almost exactly one year. <laughs> the, 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 and uh, as the book explains, as the Hitchhiker's Guide explains, many spacecraft were described in, in, in tones of, of awe and hush, like the amazing starship Titanic, mm. or the uh, I think the Biz, Biz, the the, the Bistromath. Yes, Bistio, and the the heart of gold. The heart of gold that relies on the infinite improbability generator. That's right. But none, but the the story of no spaceship brings such a look of horror as this spaceship, the the first one to go up from the planet that created the cricket robots. Mm. They fired the spaceship up. They burst through the gaseous cloud and saw the the infinite expanse. The beautiful the galaxy universe. sparkling. <laughs> the beautiful infinite universe that said, hey, 
You know how you thought that you were everything in the world? You are an infinitesimal speck against the entire background of an infinite universe. Mm. To which one pilot turned to the other pilot and said, well, it'll have to go. (laughs) And thus began their desire to wipe out every single civilization in the universe. <laughs> That's what it. happens when you don't have a moon, Greg yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank goodness we have a moon. That's why we are the sensible, peaceful, loving species that we are. Mm. Mm. We need to get some more moons. A lot more moons. A lot more moons. Here's mine. Rank a <sighs> literary guest on the podcast. What have I done? I'd like to thank all our amazing guests on the podcast who came on to answer the very important question, what happens if there was no moon? So thanks to Kate Harborn, Associate Professor Cassandra Perryman, Gretchen McCulloch, Dr. Harriet Mills, and of course, our very own Dan Beeston. You can find contact details for all of these amazing people in the show notes. If you have a question that you want answered, maybe write into us. And maybe if you're a patron on Patreon, I might even look at it. Hint, hint. No, write on in. We'd love to hear from you anyway. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Before we go, though, I have to tell you something very interesting. Dr. Harriet Mills got in contact with me a few days after we recorded the original interview, saying we'd forgotten something very important, something that she needed to clear up about no moon ecology. Enjoy. There is, of course, one creature that we haven't yet talked about that does rely on the moon, and that is the werewolf. So we have all heard the stories about how on a full moon, that's the time when werewolves change from their human form into their monstrous wolf-like form. And if there was no moon, maybe then there would be no werewolves. Or if there were werewolves still, then they'd be stuck in their human form and could never change into their wolf-like form. And that means they could never hunt or go around biting people and turning them into werewolves. So eventually, after a long time, they may become a threatened species. And we have to think about a recovery plan for werewolves. And that might involve maybe a captive breeding program uh, using artificial moonlight to induce werewolves changing from their human form into wolf form. And then we might have to have volunteers to go in and get bitten by werewolves so that we can maintain their numbers. I don't know. This is all crazy stuff. Just something else to think about. 